this is where the Jordan Peterson thing comes up is legalizing or, or making it illegal to not use someone's pronouns, which is kind of what was going on years. That's where it's dangerous because now you've cut off certain language where you can't even question things. Right. Yeah. Like he was saying, you know, you're falling into compelled speech, which is, has never been like seen before. Yeah. So that's where in law. It's sticky. Like, yeah. Whereas like yeah, crimes. Crazy. Yeah. And especially because we're twisting like human biology completely. Like Welcome to Spiritual Warrior TV and Podcasts your go-to channel for everything related to spirituality, metaphysics, personal development, and well-being. I'm your host, Renzo Ruiz Haas, and I'm on a journey myself, as a truth seeker and as an explorer, to discover and to share with you all the best tips, tools, and different approaches that contribute to nourish our souls, embrace our humanity, and help us incarnate the greatest and brightest expression of ourselves. Because when we become better versions of ourselves, we make this world a better place. Yeah. friend <laughs> yes how you been first of all how you been this uh i've seen that you built something with uh what's her name megan meg yeah meg garland yeah meg, uh, yeah oh, I... uh, tell me a little bit about that i'm, I'm, I'm curious it's, it's kind of like an in-person experience something like people yeah it is and 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 it's it's called set up for sovereignty it's a big event where we want to break through these ideas of survival and it's about thrival and empowering people and creating community and you're learning skills. You're learning how to do a sourdough starter or canned food or um, homeopathic medicine. That's one of our workshops, homeschooling. There's someone there who's going to teach about homeschooling. So it's the skill set, but really like those are, you know, you're going for the workshops and the dinner and the food, but really it's about community building connection and empowering each other. Because I think even in, uh, I hate the idea of sides, but on the, in the group of people questioning things, there's still so much fear. And almost I see like a, that addiction to survival. I, I don't think we're here to survive. I, hear, I think we're here to thrive. And I actually believe that the world as it is now, as it's seemingly crumbling, is the perfect setting to show love really in an abundant, generous, thriving place. It's creating that contrast. So we're actually led to truth and love. That's what I think. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And I think it's so important to have these type of skills of uh, surviving, you know, because even if you like in our modern societies, we don't really need them, so to speak. You never know when shit can hit the fan and you might need one of these skills. Um, it's not out of out of a fear-based mentality, but more like, you know, it's better to be, I like this quote, it's better to be a warrior in a garden zone than a gardener in a war zone, right? Mm. 
So it's it's always good to be prepared. And I think, well, I think it's amazing what you you guys are doing with that experience. Yeah, uh, and I want to... Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I want to say, too, we're all called... We I don't, I don't want someone to force themselves to do a skill. We're called to get curious. And I want people who are feeling a nudge from their heart to gravitate towards learning certain things to do so. I feel no in my body at this point where I'm at in my life. I don't have a home. I'm not preparing. I'm not doing storage because I don't have that space. My calling is around media. It's around speaking out and things like that. So it's this is why community is important because we get to balance each other. And someone who has one skill, another person might not be inclined to want to learn that, but they have a different skill and like we can share as well. So Right. And, you know, would you agree that we've been outsourcing everything from our health to our information to our like... Our food. We don't even grow our own food anymore, right? We we rely on grocery stores, and uh, so I think it's 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 kind of all connected in a way to gain back our our power, our ability to you know provide for ourselves and to be able to to become responsible, basically, pretty much of our own health, of our food sources, of everything. A hundred percent. And, and doing that in healthy communities, because sometimes like the systems that were put into play, um, they don't serve the people, right? It's, it's old power dynamics. It's, 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 it's different. Oppressive, if maybe you want to say, you know, but the reason why they've been able to exist is because we've given them permission. And so this is where we get to have the courage to venture into things outside of our comfort zone, learn new things and create relationships with each other because what they, what the power systems that be, they depend on us not talking to each other, not being connective. Because if I find out, Oh, Renzo, like we live next door to each other. We can create community. We, we become more sovereign. It's, it's kind of an odd thing because the, they always sell it as community but they're not creating community. Like, you know, this idea of like, no one's going to own anything. The world will be one great place. Like, why do we need borders? Why do we, I've had these thoughts too, but they're, they're selling community, creating tyranny and, and true community is, is yeah. Something else. Yeah. And even like the word democracy it has become like such like whenever I hear democracy on the news, <laughs> I can't help but to just laugh and be like, what what democracy are you guys talking about? It like it sounds so uh it, it it used to sound so beautiful, democracy, right? We all bought into that story. But now when I hear democracy, I'm like, well, if this is democracy, then uh, I don't want to live in a democracy. <laughs> Well, and it's, it's, everything's like switched upside down. So they're like, the, even the idea that something can kill democracy, like, yes, it can, but information, I'm, I'm trying to think through if I'm missing a piece of the puzzle, but the idea mm -hmm. of democracy is exposure to information and choice based on information. When you start to get into censorship and misinformation and don't worry, your democracy is saving you from information that in itself crumbles the crumbles democracy that's the thing that crumbles democracy so yeah like well when we talk about like censorship right 
And there's a lot of people out there who still believe that censorship isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what will you tell these people, first of all? And then I'll go with the second part of my question after that. You know, what's so funny is I literally just asked the same question in an interview I just did with Dr. Seth <laughs> okay. Gerlach because I have ideas on it, obviously. Um, because we're all having these conversations, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay. I think it's a great question. I'm like, oh, good question. <laughs> uh, so I have friends who don't think censorship exists because they believe there's a democracy happening with people choosing information they want to take part in. And naturally, the information that people don't want is not being seen. Well, I'll give Dr. Um, Dr. Seth Gerlach's numbers because he has a bigger following than me. His Instagram stories go are often at like 10,000 people seeing it per story. And then it'll drop down to like under a, uh, a thousand. So wow. as an example where the algorithm is favoring and not, this is where big tech comes in. Cause if you're favoring information based on what big tech wants, that isn't coming from the people up. So censorship is happening. And, um, and especially now with the, the Twitter files uh, that it just came out too. And, and it's like so much proof that's coming out. <laughs> But people think it's what's best for them. This is the problem. And he was talking, Dr. Uh, Gerlach was talking about this too. If you just have the censorship censorship piece, you might not get it. If you just have the pharma piece, you might not get it. If you just have the news piece or the government piece, like they're all intertwined and it takes a lot to realize how they're interconnected. But once it clicks, it clicks. And the censorship has been horrible, even with the Pulsar Collective Evolution. They had, you know, a very popular website. They had, um, yeah, millions, hundreds of thousands of views on videos and things like that. And then Google changes things and, oh, what what do we have now? So so it's it's not fair to say that censorship's not not happening, because yeah, and I mean we'd have tons of cases of people being shadow banned and yeah, I mean it it's now it's, on the flip side. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's unbelievable that you know people can think that this isn't real. I mean, you just have to. You don't even need to look that far to realize. You just have to look at what. The, the right, the modern right, what what they call far right. And uh, I've never been racist in my life and I'm not going to start today. But what they call like far right, uh, you know, white nationalists. It's like, it's, it's crazy. It's not even like, and I've seen like the, like uh, rebel news, you know, change channels like this one, like rebel news, uh, Smax, I don't, I don't follow Newsmax anymore because I don't know what happened to them, really. <laughs> but yeah, but exactly. It, well, people used to say like, well, not used to say. There's still people saying like, this is like some far right extremist shit. And whenever I'd ask them, okay, okay, show me. And I had this conversation with a person. I'm not gonna say her name here because it's relevant. But uh, she's like, well, this all this uh, like news outlets, they're they're racist. And I'm like, okay, show me an article that is racist about them. And if I see a racist article, 
I, I swear to God, I'll stop following them. And she couldn't, she couldn't even answer that. I was like, wow, <laughs> really? Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting for the majority of people that I interact with who are questioning things right now. And I'll fully say, I'm a little embarrassed to say, it, but I voted NDP before. I I would have considered myself a socialist before this. And the majority of people, yeah, <laughs> I know. And the majority of people that I click with who are questioning things are in the same boat. And we're all looking around going like, what? We're all right now? Like, if you look at my past media, I've, the documentaries or the, the web series I've done, like different things, I actively looked for diverse voices. There's, there's no way someone could look at any content I've, I've produced in, in my career and be like, Ooh, this person, she's these things. Even my teams that I would build at Nate, at the Nate Nugget had diversity. They had all kinds of people. And I respected uh, choices around gender and things like that. Right. It's complete nonsense. Yeah. I've, I've been an, an extremely respectful person and also think it's okay to question things. I think it's okay to say, okay, like I'm curious about what you're talking about here. I don't get it. That doesn't make me racist. That doesn't make me, you know, a horrible person. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm so fine with people doing whatever they want to do. What I'm not fine with is, is pushing the, it's so ironic now that I'm saying like pushing their beliefs and what they do on other people, which is what they think hmm. it's, it's just, it's hypocrisy. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I just want to go back to that, 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 uh, you know, censorship that we were talking about, because I also had this conversation and there are some good points about, I mean, censoring some stuff, but what, what would you say about this? Like at what point are you, do you agree that nothing uh, can be censored or there are certain things that you would censor or how do you approach that? What will be your philosophy on that? My philosophy is, I mean, ideally as, mm -hmm. as a democracy. In an ideal world, exactly. In, yeah. <laughs> we've talked through things and we've decided on certain things that are um, like illegal, that are wrong. And so criminal things like child pornography and um, Things that are criminal, I think there's a place for censorship. And I think that's what we're seeing. That's a part of the confusion is that we're like, why are these things being censored that are criminal acts? And in fact, the internet gives a space for that to be bigger in some ways um, versus like somebody saying, hey, I think this is not going to actually be a benefit to you. Let's look at the health of this. Let's look at this other thing. So I think things that are criminal could be censored. With that said, I mean, laws can be passed by the elite to make things criminal that sh shouldn't be. So it is, yeah. it is, it is tough. But, it but is. This just dropped into me as well. But when you have a society that is a community, community-based, love-based. And I understand that that's a complicated conversation. But when people are truly in alignment with their heart, they ain't watching child pornography. They're not taking part in producing it. So 
when you have aligned heart-centered people, you could expose them to content. It's not going to hook in, in my opinion. That is so well said, so well said, because for there to be child pornography, that means there are consumers out there consuming this shit, right? So if exactly, and, and this is, I, I had the same answer, actually, you know, when it comes to criminal things or like, you know, direct threats, like dead threats to people, I think you know, well, which is a crime anyways. So it's already <laughs> this illegal. Is, this is where the Jordan Peterson thing comes up is legalizing or, or making it illegal to not use someone's pronouns, which is kind of what was going on. Years. That's where it's dangerous because now you've cut off certain language where you can't even question things. Right. Yeah, like he was saying, you know, you're falling into compel speech, which is, has never been like seen before. Yeah. So that's where in law. it's sticky. Yeah. Whereas like yeah, crimes. Crazy. Yeah. And especially because we're twisting like human biology completely. Like we are coming into this delusional state of ideologies where we're trying to make people, not only are they, you know, twisting human biology because uh, actually... Hashtag sorry, not sorry for saying this. But in biology, there's male and female. There's nothing else, right? There's no spectrum in between or nothing. There's like male or female. You're either born with a penis or a vagina. Let's say it clearly. And I mean, well, in some rare cases, maybe maybe like you, you, you're a hermaphrodite or something. But hey, that's like very rare cases. But other than that, I mean... You can't pretend that there are 72 plus genders and counting. That's just ridiculous. And if you think like that, I mean, I have no issues. You want to think like that, it's fine. But don't come and impose impose it on people so that they, they have to say this like invented pronoun that doesn't mean shit, but they just like made it up and make it, not only make it, force them to say it but creating laws for this it's wow <laughs> yeah i think it's i think we're in a and again it's it's i find it sometimes challenging to talk freely because i change my mind often and i i'll say something and then i'll see the other side like i ping pong in my mind <laughs> so it's a really great it's a really great tool to be a journalist and to have this ping pong thing but it also can stop me and block me from saying what I'm where I'm at right now. So I'm going to say this, but I think say the way you think it, the way I think it right now. And I'm open to building on it and stuff. Mm -hmm. Self-righteousness, which is different than righteousness. Sometimes people actually self-righteousness gives this like wave of like rightness in your body. Right. So it's based, it's not based on objective things that are moral or right. And I understand there's questions around that, but as people, we know, like, yeah, we can feel intuitively when things are just not great to do to each other, right? So there is righteousness. Self-righteousness is like, there's a, there's a hit with it. So if you start to create these self-righteousness um, ditches, which I think is like part of the pronouns, like if you create a space where you get to be offended by somebody and their quote unquote ignorance, 
you get a little hit of self-righteousness. And I think that's what's happening is we're losing our ability to hear and feel someone's intent, which is like heart connection. And we're creating these ditches of, and it's happening on both sides. It's happening all over these, these places for people, these traps, these self-righteousness traps so that we get high off of quote unquote, being smarter, more cultured, um, more awake, more woke, not a sheeple, yeah. not a- And more tolerant. On, and look at, and, and the, the irony in this is like, oh, look at how tolerant I am. I'm using all these pronouns. Yet, if you don't use, if you don't believe in this I ideology, because I don't, it's not even an idea, it's an ideology. If you don't believe in this ideology, then I'm going to shame you and cancel you and, you know, go after you. Exactly. Because it's like, I, and here's what I, you know, I find, I have a hard time with people who are passive aggressive, you know, I really have a hard time with that shit. It's like, it's like they're, they're, they have, they, their intentions at least from a from a screen perspective like just from from a superficial perspective they sound like very honorable right oh look i'm i'm anti racist or i'm i'm a, i'm a feminist or i'm a, you know look at me i'm so woke i'm i'm for all these pronouns and inclusivity and and all this stuff but i mean the means through which they try to navigate this for their ends, they're just like, it, it's, it's, it's outrageous. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, there's a shadow. They're destructive, you know? Yeah. There's, and there's, I noticed that a lot of people like to be ups, upset about certain things, but not things that actually bring them into action. So it's like, I get to feel upset and emotionally riled about something. But when you're like, oh, but, but here's the actual problem. Like, what can we do about the actual problem? It's like the, the avoidance comes in. Yeah. So it's it's like trying to control the things that you really don't have control over. But not taking responsibility for the things that you actually have control over. There's like a shallowness. But it seems, as you said, it appears to be like morale, moral and and. Yeah, on the very surface, right? Because who wouldn't agree? Like, anti-racism, like, if if you if you hear that, then, like, who wouldn't agree? Like, yeah, racism, obviously nobody wants, well, nobody who's, who has a, a values like, in them wants racism in this society. But it's not by, you know, calling out, people for oh look at your white privilege uh, or like you know with uh with uh what was it with coca-cola oh i don't know all the they, things they were well there was something with coca-cola where they were actually how do they call it i forgot the name it's like they were giving instructions to their employees on how to like be careful of your white privilege uh, and also and when i hear white privilege i'm like well if you live in america <laughs> like and i'm talking the continent i'm not talking usa only I'm talking like the the whole continent like if you live in america and you're 
making over 60k a year you have an iphone and you have food in the fridge whether you're black white you already have a privilege and it shouldn't be something bad like having a privilege i'm actually grateful for having the privilege to have the what i have and, I, and i'm grateful for it and it's like they're, they're trying to level society towards scarcity towards lack more lack in mentality like if you have more than the other person well you're you're what you're a rich bastard or <laughs> what exactly and and that's that's actually a really good point you bring up instead of the idea of privilege bringing people up they want to make people shameful and feel horrible about the privilege and sink down because when people sink down you can control them People who actually understand abundance and uh, love knows that love is not pushing people down and it's not dimming yourself to fit in because that's what's essentially happening. If you're like, oh, I have to dim myself. It's it's let's bring each other up and then let's continue to bring each other up. And you don't yeah. get there by people. And this is probably how they skew it. You do get there by somebody coming to your level. I do believe that. It's like, hey, let me come to your level if you want help and we'll go up. It's not like, yeah, but I'm, even more and more, I'm like, I don't know. Mm, yeah, I'm I'm not even sure about that, you see. Yeah, people like, need to like tap into their inner power and their empowerment and, and move up, mm -hmm. yeah. Also, though, this being said, I also understand that there is a history of colonialism you know, that, yeah, we do have to acknowledge, okay, and it it did create a lot of intergenerational trauma. Yeah, 100%. And it's, I mean, it's unfortunate, it's something that people have to deal with, but it's also like, people have to take back the responsibility to heal their own trauma. And this is where a lot of people get it confused, and I always repeat it, because I, like, a lot of people get it confused all the time is that responsibility does not mean that you take the fault. It just means that your ability, responsibility is simply your ability to respond to a situation, right? So I see it. And when you, your trauma makes you suffer. And if you're dealing with trauma, then it's up to you to go seek for help, you know? There's nothing wrong with going and seeing a, a, a psychiatrist or any other help that you might need. There's so many resources out there. There are so many resources, and this is where I get to be a little controversial. Yeah. The issue I find with a lot of trauma work is that now people's identity becomes that trauma work. And now there's no real motive to have healing who was i think it was carolyn mays or somebody was saying like healing's not glamorous so people get stuck in this perpetual storyline of always trying to heal and this is where i'm i'm mm -hmm. i'm sitting with so yes there's lots of resources and a lot of those resources i think instill victimhood but that but that said the stepping towards those resources and learning and growing is all, I think that's always the key. I just think we have to be very careful about becoming about trauma work that in that deepens victimhood. Look, this is why I said in a workshop I did the other day, yes. 
we all can see probably where our family lineage and where we came from did not give us what we think we need. But I believe it gave us what we're here to do. And that's where the shift comes in. It's not, you know, we can, we can sit in that we didn't get our needs met all day long. Look, nobody fucking did. <laughs> that's the point. There are people who've experienced worse trauma than me who are doing better. There are people who experience less trauma than me who are doing worse. It's, it's relative. So this is where we get to look at what's happened to us as, as something different than just we've been victimized to it. Hmm. Yeah. Or sorry, we've been, we've been a victim to it. Because there is there is being victimized, like people can maliciously want to hurt you. That said, if you have a solid storyline in within where you know who you are, you don't get caught in the trauma as much because it can't hook on to the storylines of your self-worth. So someone mistreating you is now less traumatic based on who you know yourself to be versus you giving an opening to false storylines about you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very interesting. I've been reading a book. It's called uh, The Body Keeps the Score. About oh, trauma. Yes. And I love the part when they say that, you know, a lot of people, they become dissociated from their bodies. And for them, the, the only way to feel their, the kind of like the emotions, the adrenaline is to repeat the, the story in their heads of that trauma. Yes. So that's like the, the way, a way for them to feel alive. And so he says that one great way to deal with patients like that, and I don't say this, that's what they say on the book. Yeah is to approach it from the body, like play in a playful way. Because a, a brain that is traumatized, that it that is deeply traumatized, cannot take in new information, like critical thinking cannot happen in a traumatized brain. And that made me understand a lot of what's going on, you know. And why is it that whenever... Uh, people with a lot of dealing with a lot of trauma, you show them information, no matter how how much sense it makes. The the there is a part of the brain, like literally, that it's not functioning normally. The the the, the logical the, the reasoning part of the brain, the left side of the brain, is not functioning uh, properly because of the trauma. Yeah, and so then this is where. I think it's so important for us in this time to not try to change people necessarily through that place, but mm -hmm. through, and it's, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying, and, and again, it almost sounds like cliche things, but when our hearts actually emit frequency of love and spirit, that mm -hmm. is going to hit someone in a different way than facts. And yes. speaking to that part of their brain that's in crisis. And they may not even know it. That's the thing, right? They, they're not even, as you said, if they're disassociated, it's, it's, we're in a very 
interesting times. <laughs> and when we get curious and playful and think, and that's why I always say, right, this isn't about me getting my needs met. This is about me coming to earth at this time to do the curriculum that I'm here to do. And everything's working for me. Everything. If I didn't have the family I had, if I didn't come, then I wouldn't have this perspective. I wouldn't have the tools to see the mess, to, sh to shift and change and grow through it. So that's, I guess that's what I'm getting at too, is there's a lot of different tools and, and elements to trauma, but how we see what's happened to us is really huge too. Yeah, no, absolutely. This book, like, I mean, at the same time that I was reading the book, I felt like I was working on myself and it was like making me, it helped me a lot with compassion, you know, and realized that, yeah, um, I mean, all these people are just going through their own shit. It's, it, it's never about you. It's never about like us. Everyone is in, has their own world and reality and their own universe with, in their heads playing out. But yeah, there was something that I wanted to talk about because like, we, we've been often hearing the word expert coming out, right? Yeah. Well, trust the experts. Uh, you know, you probably heard this too. Um, so how would you define a good expert? Like, or, or an expert that you would trust, you'd say? <laughs> it's, not a, it's not an easy question. Huh? There's a lot in there to unpack. Let me just sit here for a second. Something I'm something I teach in the course that I'm building around seeing truth and lies in media is about asking you yourself certain questions about individuals who create media, but this could be also with experts. So there's obviously the element of experience. And when I think of experience, I think of real life experience and results. So this is tough. It's tough because everybody is seeing as we've just talked about through their filter, right? Mm -hmm. So someone might value, oh, this person has a university doctorate or whatever. They, this person's from a certain prestigious university. They must be an expert. But if you go and you see their practice, like for a doctor or something, and, and online, there's all these reviews that this doctor didn't help me. Well, then that in itself to me is more important information resultocracy like you base yourself on results yes yes rather than you know just titles although titles diplomas are, are great and all results is what really matters to me at least that's how i like to think about exactly and and again results like how people see results and measure the results that in itself is complicated as well that said True. that said <laughs> if we were based on results as a society, our medical system would be different because we would go, oh, hmm, we have a medical system and all the diseases are increasing. That's a very clear result. So we need to look at something. So I like to look at results. And then I really ask myself, this is where I think the art of learning uh, motives, psychology, deception, things like that is very important in journalism and in general is I like to think, okay, what does this person have to gain by saying this thing? If you can start to like start to come to some conclusions or some theories around what people have to gain or lose or whatever, um, that's what I use as a tool throughout the last couple of years. 
And, and again, the results, like you want a mixture. If somebody is going to lose their practice and they're speaking out, I'm like, oh, there's something to look at here. If someone's going to lose everything they've built their life on or their job or their, like their money, essentially money is a great indicator. Mm-hmm. That's something to look at. And also you want to get multiple perspectives. So finding experts that speak to two different sides, like that's important. You get to practice your discernment, but the expert question, mm, it's, it's a, it's, that's challenging. Yeah. If people yeah. could start to actually point out in the news and stuff that they watch who the sources are, and then look a little deeper into that, that would help a lot too. Well, even the sources, right? You mentioned in sources, but how many times, and even I, I've been taught in university that the WHO was a re- reliable source and government sources were reliable. But now we're seeing that government uh, can't really be trusted, you know, and, and uh, that's that's another hard question. How do you how would you define uh, a credible source? Mm. So I think the first step for people is to start to recognize what is a primary source and a secondary source. And so I often ask this, like, is news a primary or secondary source? And a lot of people say primary and actually news in itself and journalism is a secondary source that's supposed to present sources to you to help speed up your ability to research and and look into things. Right. So. Yeah, it's it's tough because a lot of people are obviously sending the CDC as a source and the you know the WHO as a source, and this kind of goes back to whose name's attached. There's a lack of accountability on a lot of those websites because it's just information and it's attached to the government. But when there's somebody who comes out and they're like, "Hey, I'm putting myself on the line here," to me that's a more that's a that's a source to look into. There's a information there to look into. Right. And, and I'm going to, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and also being able to recognize what's a signal and a distraction for information in your life is really important. I think we're getting caught up in a lot of information, like how many V injury stories can you watch before you're like, I get this. Those are sources, by the way, people are sources, individuals are sources. Right. So it's also in the consistency. So you're watching a whole bunch of V injuries. So one source on its own, maybe not as reliable as multiple stories. Like you start to see the patterning. So there's a patterning element as well. But I personally don't need to watch another V injury story (laughs) necessarily. I might, but I don't need to, to know the information unless there was something brand new, but I've watched enough now. Yeah, I've watched enough to, as well. And like, yeah, I agree. People are sources. And and oftentimes people are, to me, one of the best sources you can get, even though uh, there are a lot of people who might b- disagree with this. Like, oh, people, well, you can't really trust them. They're not experts or whatever. But actually people, if you got a lot of people in an event, they're filming with their phones. Like they're not there necessarily with a particular agenda. They're just documenting, right? What's going on. And here's another thing as well. If it's a source that is not 
that is considered a non-reliable source, but they're simply documenting something that is happening, like no editing happening. It's, it's going on live, let's say. Then that should be something that you can, well, somewhat trust because it's just them documenting. There's no, I mean, it's, they're just documenting objective reality, right? They're not putting an opinion in there. So th that's also, a, and, and a lot of people will disagree. They'll say, well, uh, shoot the messenger, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, because like, obviously there's ways to, like at the trucker's convoy, turn cameras certain ways to, to show a certain kind of image. But I agree with, there's like a live stream or something. Like it's a, and, and you, again, it's multiple sources. People should not be just seeking one source. You should be seeking multiple perspective. Um, that's important. Also just touching on the power of the people. Traditionally, that's where the information comes from is in a bunch of people saying, oh, I'm having this issue. I'm having this issue before it goes to the top. So top-down journalism is not the way to be the top supposedly the government is supposed to be getting their information from the citizens but often and this is why journalism exists it goes through <laughs> real journalists to start to shake things up to make the system adjust so people seem to forget that flow birth control is a perfect example i don't know if you specifically have experienced this with girlfriends and stuff but as a female how many of myself and my girlfriends and Women I know were like, oh, yeah, these horrible things are happening to my body on birth control. And now it's just like in the last couple of years, there's been documentaries and things happening after decades. Of this just in. <laughs> yeah. And, and and like the same things happening with the vaccination. It's 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 the mm -hmm. same thing. It's it rumbles up from the bottom to put pressure on the top to change. Not the other way around. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, and, and I was thinking about the, the convoy as well because I have a bunch of friends that were there. Like, they, they were there filming with their phones and people telling me, well, those are just conspiracy theories. I'm like, how? Like, how? <laughs> these people, I know these people, they're like out there filming. And, yeah. <laughs> That's the, that was the biggest, because I was on the ground there too. And... My friend's dad actually said after watching us there filming that he cannot watch CBC anymore. He cannot trust mainstream news. It's, and I, I just posted a video of like a bunch of dancing there. People are like, you know, you're just showing a piece of it. It's like, I tried. Okay. Like I took videos. I looked for the Nazi flags. I tried. Cause I knew people were going to be like, you're being biased. I knew that. That wasn't there. And there was thousands of people doing live streams it's it's undeniable it's that it's the power of the numbers as well for sure yeah even though the one person with the flag i mean there, there's a lot of like sketchy stuff that happened with that and apparently the one who was filming there was uh, trudeau's uh, personal photographer or something from what i've heard I've that i haven't heard, spent from what i've heard i, I don't know like that's what exactly. i've heard Exactly. Yeah. It's it's tough too because like yeah. 
It's hard I to know, know because. No, sorry. Go ahead. What I know is that there was that Confederate flag guy, and there was a Nazi flag guy. They were on the first day. They came. They left very quickly. And the people around were like, what are you doing here? Right. So I, I, I would say there's evidence it's a plant. Like, that's a thing. But no, you're not going to shake someone's belief who like I got messages from friends who are, quote unquote, on the same. And they were like on the same side as us. And they were like, how many Nazi flags are you seeing, Nicole? And I was there for weeks and I was like, I've seen none. I've seen zero. So what, what's the, what's the perception that's being shaped? It's just wild. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm enthusiastic. Yeah. So with all this being said, where do you think journalism is uh, going in the next, uh, in the near future or long-term future? Where do you see this going? I think we're at, an amazing time in journalism, actually, because it's easy to get bogged down by like, oh, my gosh, legacy media is shit. But that's not the real truth. People are being called to become citizen journalists through this. And people, you know, on our quote unquote side have gotten lots of things wrong at times. And then there's hyperbolic fear mongering happening on both sides. Yes. Yes, yes. absolutely. 100%. 100% agree with that. Yeah. And there's people like you, me others that we've interacted with that have this yearning, this craving to create and seek, create content that seeks truth, that reveals, that aligns with love. Like it's a beautiful time now. That's why I'm working on creating courses and almost like a media-esque school because there's a hunger, but we also do need the skill. And I want to grow. So I want to seek mentorship. So I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful time for journalism and media creation. And it's, it's a decentralizing of Hollywood or legacy media that's happening, which is awesome. Amazing. And what do you think would be the best practices for a journalist to have? And uh, I mean, the the values that a, that a journalist should embody to be a good journalist? Curiosity is very important. And I was chatting yesterday with Joe and it was like, when people, when people go into crisis, that can kill curiosity. And we kind of touched on that. That's like connected to trauma. So curiosity is important. And something that I don't think is talked about enough for journalism is like next level self-awareness and seeking out what that means, self-development work, trauma work, all this stuff. Because if you really care about people, you have to learn about people in order to see a story in a, in a fuller way. So I think it's important for journalists to get really curious about the well-being of individuals and follow the healing, follow the results, because there's a lot of things that are presented as the thing that's going to help. But if you look at the results, it doesn't play out. Uh, critical thinking, always questioning yourself, like the ping pong thing I said at the beginning. I'll say something and then I'll be like, oh, and I'll think of another angle and then I'll, oh, OK. So I ping pong with myself a lot. 
right now it's something I'm working on. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but like, I realized that just dyslexia is a thing that I have. And so reading is very challenging for me. So I listen to audiobooks. Really? Now. Yeah, it's really challenging. So this year, one of the, I was I was sat down. And I was like, okay, what would be one skill that if I practiced would make the biggest impact in my life for what I'm doing and learning to to read better and faster? Um, you write been, super well, though. Thanks. It wasn't always like that. I I've never seen you read, but I, I mean, <laughs> I've seen your writing. It's pretty good. It, yeah, it's taken a decade to get there. In school, I was told my writing deserved a better or my ideas deserved a better writer. Like spelling is very challenging for me. Mm -hmm. um, sentence structure is very challenging for me at times, but I've gotten way better. And now I think that that's a really powerful part of my story because she would have told junior high Nicole that she would be writing as a part of her profession. I wouldn't have believed it. So it's, well, no, I probably would have because the ideas were still there, but <laughs> the writing fundamentals and the practice for that and the pain mm. that has gone into that and still goes into that. Yeah. <laughs> so curiosity, critical thinking, um, a hunger to, to truly serve humanity and figure out how people work and tick. I think a love for story as well. Self-awareness. Yeah. I'm probably missing some. Some hard skills like learn how to read good, <laughs> learn how to write. But but to be fair, some of sometimes it helps to not um like when I read studies and stuff, and when I do things, I because it's complicated for me, I'm always like learning how to find the important things. I'm always searching for what's important. So I don't necessarily get lost in minutiae. Whereas some people who can see it all, they might not learn how to focus in on what's important as well, as much. And I think that's such an important skill. Yeah. That I need to master as well. Because, uh, yeah, oftentimes I'm very, although I've, I'm learning with time to focus my energy a lot better. But, I mean, I've always had this problem of like always being spread all over the place and starting one thing taking it like almost to completion and then starting another one. And then it's like, like I have hundreds of projects just like out there, but not really finished, you know? Totally. So that's what I'm, I'm now changing my identity and becoming a more focused person. <laughs> I love it. And I love how you said that too, because I'm very careful about how I say it around the dyslexia, because I, I actually see it as a tool for me. And I see it as it's actually helped me. There's a lot of people who have dyslexia who are entrepreneurs, for example, because things just don't quite work for them. And um, in and I don't know if they're great speakers too, but you're a great speaker, so I don't know if people. Thank you. Well, you got to get yeah. better. You got to. It's funny you say that because in grade eight, I had a project too, and and as I'm saying this, it's so funny because I don't know if I'd be allowed to do this now. We were given a project to create a monologue based on a historical person. And I was Rosa Parks. So oh. I didn't, I didn't dress up. I didn't, you know, I wasn't dressed up as Rosa Parks, but we had to present a monologue based on researching this person's life and what they would say. Well, I made up my whole monologue in my mind and I would practice speaking it before I wrote it down. The writing was too hard. I didn't go that route. I practiced speaking it. I remember in the shower when I was going different places and then I wrote it down. I got a hundred percent on that monologue and you have to understand like what, what? my teacher was like, what is happening? Cause I was, I was like in the sixties for English. 
in grade eight, like lower sixties, probably. So we both know that marks don't mean shit. It's true. But, but to be fair too, they do. And they don't like, we, we don't want to get into participation ribbon land either. We want to be able to discern results. And that's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. We want to be able to discern like, okay, this thing, like healthy competition is very important without healthy competition. Like we don't get to like build on each other, but because people feel hurt feelings about, Oh, I'm not as good as that person. Well, that's, that's on you. That's unhealthy competition. People who live in that often want to step on people to get to the top. People who live in unhealthy competition and comparison and feeling like things are going to be taken from them if someone else has success, that's very unhealthy for their lives. Very unhealthy. Yeah. That's why, like, yeah, it's it's true that it's good to have healthy competition. But I think the, the grading system in schools encourages that type of unhealthy competition. At least that's how I see it. Where like kids, they're they're comparing themselves to each other, like based on a mark, and and also, you know, for people's self esteem, I think it, it at least on on a kid's mind, it's 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 even worse because they're you know they're just starting to shape their 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 beliefs, their race, and you right away you you're giving them these marks and. Tell them how good they are based on and how well they did on memorizing shit and spitting it right out in the, in the exam. It's uh, I think, well. So I'm going to challenge this a bit because as you're saying this, yeah. I'm getting clarity. It's because people are taught that their marks are their worth. If people were not yeah. taught that the marks are your who you are, what you're worth, then they just become a feedback tool. Then it's not hooked in like we talked about into a part that's not really you. I love how you put that. I love how you put that. Yeah. So, so it's because the construct of school does a thing, but it's not necessarily the marks. And this is, I think this is why we pendulum swung to participation ribbons. People don't actually build self-esteem by not having feedback and by not growing and getting going somewhere. So if all of a sudden you take away all that, now people like, it's it's there's a void there but if you start to learn that again those are just feedback for you and your worth is not based on the marks you get there's a very different experience but the school in itself like sitting in a classroom for hours on end and stuff like that is definitely up for question not everybody learns that way and um but taking I, away again the pendulum swing of taking away everything is i don't think that works either yeah no i, I think there's a there's quite a balance in there and it's because I also think well I don't think I know for a fact that school they don't teach mindset to people and mindset is fuck it's it's central in life it's it's the basic of everything yeah mindset and emotional regulation what's that mindset and emotional regulation like learning how yes. to actually regulate, yes. but that is connect. It's, it's all connected. Yeah. Yeah. And see, like we were never taught that, at least I was never taught that in school. No, me neither. I wonder though, I, cause this is where I go back. I'm like, I know there's another way. 
but there's a power in pain, like in your pain of what you've experienced and it not working for you. That is a motivator as well. And same in my life, like the pain around writing, for example. Oh my gosh, my story is so much more powerful now because I get to tell people, hey, your circumstance and what you're naturally good at doesn't need to determine what goes in your future. It's it's just so fascinating. I wonder what the pain in like, you know, heaven on earth or whatever that utopia, I wonder what the pains would be that push us forward if there's no um, like trauma pain. I think it could be innovation. I think it could be like uh, creation, things like that. Anyway, I think about that often. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Pain does play its purpose in helping us move forward. But it's pain, okay, so like Wim Hot, like cold therapy. Like we know that pain, there's something there. Working out really hard is so good for you. Hmm. Pushing your limits. Yeah, say. yeah. The pain of stepping outside the comfort zone of whatever that yeah. is in your life is very different than the pain of... Um, the pain of suffering. Yeah, and, and also the um, the self-worth bit. I think that's what it is. When you your pain comes from not feeling good enough, that's very different than a pain of just like, this is where I'm at, these are the results, and I'm moving forward, and I'm learning, and I'm growing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I would compare it to the pain when you, like, break your arm. Or the pain of your muscles when you know you've had a good workout session. Just like a good type of pain. You know, you're like, yeah, it hurts, but I, I, I like it because I know I've worked hard. I'm just going back to what you said earlier. I, Because the, the book talking about how you replay to feel alive, the pain or mm -hmm. you. So that's kind of the difference is like one of the differences maybe is. The pain you feel in growth and expansion is different than the pain on rumination and pattern repeating. Yeah, because that's suffering. Yeah. And that's when you when you you play that in your head and you perpetuate the, the pain in the present moment, even though there is no pain actually going on in the present moment, I would call that suffering. No? Would you agree? Yeah, and it's suffering because again, the word suffering. Um, well, it's, it's a suffering, suffering that has you're no stuck in the past, pretty much. Yeah, and it's a suffering with it's that's not worth it. Because I yeah. think sometimes we still do like there's a certain kind of pain that comes and the suffering that comes from, for example, knowing the truth of what's going on. And there's a certain place where you give, like, you got to sit in that heavy heartedness for a little bit, or like give that its space. The people who are hurt and being hurt and don't know it. That's like, ugh. But it's, it is different than a suffering based on something, else, that, that rumination. There's a quote that I really like. I don't know who said it, but it says like, pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Yeah. So like, we all go through pain in life, right? Yeah. It's just part of the ride. But staying stuck in suffering, because the way I see suffering is you stay stuck and you re replay that pain that that's either in the past or you're you have anxiety about why what may come in the future. So you're playing that that pain 
in the present moment, although there is no pain happening at that moment. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. And, and a lot of people might think this is a little too much. But suffering this for me. My podcast and there's free speech here. Say yeah, there's free speech. Because I, <laughs> I want people to explore for themselves. But when I think about it, my suffer, suffering has been majorly diminished by my faith. And I think it's because a major belief system that I have that I've talked about a lot is around everything is happening for me. Now, not to say that I, I don't subscribe to God making you suffer. Actually, I don't at all. I don't subscribe to God wanting you sick or God teaching you a lesson or, you know, God, you know, wanting to punish you for things you've done in the past. Like, I don't subscribe to that. But I recognize that everything, everything that comes my way from maybe the darker energies can be transformed and used to fortify who I am. There's a lot less suffering in that than in the past when I was living in like, I'm not good enough. I need to prove myself. I'm not, it's, it's yeah. Mm. Even though someone would look at my life in the last couple of years and be like, you've lost multiple jobs. You've gone across, like, they might say like, oh, these hard things are happening to you. I feel more aligned on fire and on purpose than ever before in my life. Yeah, because you allow yourself to explore, to try things out. And uh, I mean, that's the way you find your purpose. And even that word, purpose, like your today's purpose, because purpose also is evolving. And and I used to stay away from words like destiny and purpose because I didn't want people to feel bad if they don't know what that is. But you're kind of hitting on it mm -hmm. too. I think it's important for us to realize like we're here on purpose. Like you're here on purpose. I think if people really knew how on purpose they are, mental health issues would dissipate. They, it, it's the meaning, it's that purpose. It's not pleasure, it's not just comfort. People are seeking comfort because they don't feel purpose. And it's actually the exact opposite direction you need to go in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and the way I describe purpose is living intentionally. Yes, yes. Right? Having an intention, like whatever that is. Your intention today it's probably not going to be the same as, as you evolve. Most likely, it's not going to be the same as you evolve in a few years from now or maybe tomorrow. But it's the action of following the flow of the river while maintaining your canoe uh, stable. Balance. Balance, right? And always trying to go back to that, that balance, which is the, the intention yeah, it's true. And it's, uh, yeah, it's an important topic to explore. And I think often though, like I've heard this theory too, that our why, like there's an innate why inside of us of what we're here to do. And then the medium can change. So we're like on a certain path. Like one, one thing for me is to, um, to show, be, and create content around em empathy to like show multiple sides in order for love to flow. Like that's, that's kind of through different parts of my life, but like, sometimes I did that teaching dance. Sometimes I do that in media. Sometimes I do that with my family. Although that's, that's the harder. It, I, I moved back <laughs> in with my parents. Part. <laughs> it is. I moved back in with my parents at 35 with my stepmom and my dad. And I'm like, 
Ooh, if you want to see everything, if you want a spiritual awakening, if you want to really get face to face with who you are, live with your parents as an adult. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. you could go on retreats and all the things. And I and I highly recommend those things as well. There's there's space mm-hmm. for stillness. But if you want to see all the stuff from your family lineage, yeah. if you really think you're enlightened, go live with your parents. I That's agree. my challenge. Or not even live, just spend a week. <laughs> like, yeah, go I on think, a trip. I think the week is, is the, like the threshold. <laughs> That's what you started. Like. It's almost been six months for me, but it, you know what? There's a lot of, it's a, it's a great, it's a great, I know that again, see, this is our perception too. Someone would be like, Oh, Nicole, you're living with your parents at 35. I could see that as like a result of failure. This is why determining results is kind of an interesting thing. But I'm like, whoa, I can already see it. This is setting me up. I I believe to, to create a family unit in my life. It's a stepping stone, right? Ah, that heals certain things that I would have been, because I've moved out since I was 18. I've, I've never had to like live at home. I've never like needed that. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, if this is happening, there's a purpose for this. So- of course, of course. Yeah, no, like... Pfft. Absolutely. I think it's amazing that you're doing that. You know, I, I, I'll do it if I was you. <laughs> well, I get to set up this business too. So and it, it helps, and it helps you, you know, set up your whole business structure. And yeah, you, I mean, what is wrong? There's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely amazing. You get to do it, you know. And how grateful to be in a place where I have that support too. Like, yes, not everybody has that support. Yeah, it's not amazing. every we have. Not everyone has uh, parents that are supportive of their and dreams. willing to, and willing to talk about the hard things too. Like that's something I've noticed. I'm really lucky about. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, and I yeah, it is. It is. So I'm very grateful. And who makes me dinner? And my dad's doing my laundry right now. I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> that's not something wow. I ask for. You have to understand. Like five star hotel service, but like I want to go back to my parents right now. You're making me want to go back to my parents. <laughs> And and to be like, I very much want to say like, that is not my, my vibe. I'm not like a kid who's like, do everything for me, but I'm learning about receiving as well. As you yes, get, when you be, that's a big becoming one. hyper independent is a sign of trauma. Yeah. Well, fuck, it's crazy. Me too. I, I, I always had like a hard time, you know, receiving, but I realized that, wow, like if, if I like to give and I and I like when people receive what I give, what I have to offer, then if someone else has something to offer from the heart, like me refusing that or like closing myself up to receiving, it's actually closing myself, my heart to, to the love that they want to offer, right? So like, yeah, I, I had to learn uh, to receive as well in my life. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was this book, but I think it might've been How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, I think. But oh, I have it. I haven't have started it? it yet, but I have it. Yeah. It's, it's old school. I think it was that book, but cause I'm, this is like an older book, but it talked about how people actually like you more when they can do something for you than if you can do something for them. And so when I read that, I think it was that book, might've been a different one. When I read that, I was like, oh in my need to be liked, I'm serving other people, doing all the things, trying to serve them. And what, if I really want to be liked, the science shows 
let receiving from other people, letting them do nice things for you is actually, yeah, it's actually the thing. I think Robert Cialdini also says something like that in his book, The by principles of the persuasion, principles of persuasion. So, yeah. So that's, and then we don't want anyone to go into the masculine feminine energies of what I've learned Ooh. about being essentially buying into a programming that totally cut off the ability for me to receive in a certain way from men thinking I'm like a giving person. It's the same, it's the same thing, but it gets yes. deeper in romantic partnership so yeah so wow. much learning that's gonna be for another episode because there's so much to say about just that one part i know it's so it's so fascinating <laughs> so i want to go to a question that you always ask and i guess you already know what it is <gasps> i can't remember what i said last time but okay I'm, i'm ready for the question i'm ready for the question what's the biggest lie you once believe and i quote Nicole oh, Murphy here <laughs> okay but so this is actually a good segue um that that porn was that porn was empowering that i was somehow like an empowered female because i was cool watching porn or whatever that is so that's probably the biggest lie i once believed and then i read an article that described what it does to your brain and had enough like self-reflection taking place And I stopped watching porn and, um, yeah, ne yeah. I've watched it once since I stopped watching it three years ago. And it was like, whoa, this is not even at all for me at all. And, and so sh going back to the beginning of this conversation, hmm. that that's what I'm talking about, about the hooks. It can't hook into me in the same way anymore. Cause it's just not, it's not there. Right. And I want to be clear, I was not watching, <laughs> as I'm, we were talking about child porn at the beginning, that's not what I'm making reference to. Um, oh, absolutely. But, this is but, important to, to make. Yeah, yeah a, a clear. Yeah. But but yeah. when I when I'm in alignment with my heart and now that I actually believe in my capacity to and I didn't at the time, I believe in my capacity and the opportunity for me to have a really wholehearted, loving, romantic partnership that involves sex that's actually spiritually spiritual and that doesn't mean like they'll be playful and there'll be a variety of that but because i actually believe that now the porn mm -hmm. doesn't hook in i was in a scarcity mindset of like uh stuff going on there that was a lot deeper than just sexual and it also it also from what i've read that it it kind of it produces a lot of dopamine in your brain And then when you like, so, so your brain gets high on that and then it, it dysregulates the, the production of dopamine after you're like, it's, it's like a adrenaline, you know, like these adrenaline junkies yeah, that are looking to do the, the, the one, the most dangerous thing. And every time they're looking for things that are more dangerous to do just to feel that adrenaline yeah, and people, how people can get addicted to that. It's the same as like the the as social media, right? Every time we get the the likes and the thing, like it activates more dopamine in your brain, but like not naturally occurring. It's 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 all like artificially occurring. So your brain it never gets a, a you know a rest. Yeah, exactly. And and I I know people who like younger men who it's really 
it's caused big problems because they had exposure to it really, really young. And so it's a, it's a really serious problem. And so when it's all, when it's downplayed in the media and with my own experience and the stories I've heard behind the scenes and it's like, Oh, everything's cool. Like everybody's doing everything. It's like, there's some consequences that come from that, that um, we're, we're seeing already. And I, I had it in my life. Um, But I think there's an addiction to that worry too. So I think on quote unquote, our side, if someone's scrolling through news constantly and getting, that's the same thing, getting that hit of self-righteousness, like, yes, another back story that proves I'm right. Yes. Another blank story that proves I'm right. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the addiction cycle too. So, or can be potentially, who knows? I'm not, I'm not an expert, but this is the thing about <laughs> Are journalism. Are you not an expert? <laughs> and that specifically, but this is the thing about journalism is journalists, have an outside perspective, like they are researching a lot of things and then they're able to piece things together that you don't necessarily see are connected. It's a very important thing. It's a very important thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess this last one question that I always ask in every episode is what's your best tip to make this world a better place? I'm really on a kick right now around building community. There's a lot, there's layers to that because there's functional and dysfunctional community. And that's what we've been experiencing in our world. So I would say the best tip to make this world a better place is to start exploring what healthy community looks like and a recognition. because this is what I'll say is I think a lot of people, myself included lean towards enabling or overpowering oppression. Like it's, there's a spectrum going on that we're being asked to look at here. So becoming self-aware of how, mm, this is how it is becoming self-aware of how you individually manipulate to get your needs met. That's, That's my answer. Mm. How? Because we've all done it. And if we're not aware of how we do it, it's running the show. I lean towards manipulating through enabling, through fawning, through kindness or niceness. Kindness is, I, I lean towards manipulation through, if I'm the perfect person, nobody can leave me, which means I got to say yes to everything. I got it. Like, that's where I lean towards. Other people lean towards manipulation by stepping on others to get to the top, by pushing their way, by literally being deceptive and lying and creating things. So if every individual started to get curious about how they their flavor of manipulation happens to get their needs met and start exploring how maybe they their, their supposed needs are not what they think, then I think the world would be a better place. Wow. Well. <laughs> and i think on that note yeah i i would like to end on that note thank that you that's pretty good that was pretty thank good. you for having me i'm so excited for your podcast <laughs> to relaunch this is exciting yeah it's taking a new form a new life i'm yeah. excited too and oh well before we go just uh Do you have anything are you offering anything right now any courses or maybe or something Thing that yeah. 
might be going on in Nicole's world? So, yeah, no matter when you post this, there's going to be a course that lives that's that's about media literacy, just simple tips on how what to look for in media, but also helping, you know, people get really clear about what's a signal or distraction in what they're taking in. And it's what we've touched on on this. It's starting to reflect on our need to be, to feel that self-righteousness. It's starting to reflect on how we manipulate to get our needs met. It's starting to do those things, but in a very simple way. And now that I'm saying this, I'm like, oh, is this horrible marketing? Because people are going to be like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you're like, no. <laughs> no, so it's not. no, it's the, not. The end point, the end point is you're going to have tangible things to look for in media to help you discern good quality media and some of the things we talked about here. And it's going to build trust in you to, to trust your discernment and give you tools to turn off the things that are distractions and to take action in your life and create a podcast like you are or Renzo or, or if that's not your calling, it's building a community center or it's taking care of your family. It's, it's, it's about the clarity around what's truly important for your individual curriculum. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Like, I, I can't wait. I'm excited to see what's, uh, what's coming for you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you already are creating amazing things with that in person. Uh, also, how do would you call it? Workshop retreat? I don't know. Yeah. It's like a day, like it's like a, almost like a little mini conference workshop conference. Also yeah. look out for, cause this is in the works too. Um, I'm building a media mentorship programming. So if you're somebody who's actually curious to create content, not just to understand it, but you want to create podcasts, you want to write articles, you want to be a journalist, you want to create documentaries or narrative movies. I'm creating, I'm in the midst of the very beginning of creating an event around that slash a membership that will support the decentralization of media and help people actually learn the skills and connect with each other. Cause we need each other to make better quality media. We do. It's, it's, it's necessary. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And if you guys are wondering what makes Nicole an expert, go look at the results yourself. They'll, they speak for themselves. <laughs> okay. That is that I'm so grateful for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I think this is important too. When we're creating content, I'm always like, uh, this isn't good enough yet. So there's a balance between being grateful and in present and liking what you're doing and being fully in it and also being like, okay, I need feedback. How do I get better? How do I do this? How do I do this? And then continue to grow. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I wish you all the best in all your projects and everything that you got going on. And thank you. Thank you for being here and for accepting this invitation. Thank you. And when you come back to Canada, we're for sure hanging out because Brendan, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Much love. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found this content valuable. And if that was the case, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you want to get access to exclusive conversations, behind the scenes, and other special episodes, come support my work for only $4.99 a month. And join me in the raw, the real, and the uncut moments. All made available to you for the equivalent of one cup of coffee a month. And lastly, let me know in the comments down below what are some of the topics you would like me to explore in the upcoming episodes. That was all for today, guys. See you all next time. Much love.